They're coming to get you, Barbara. I don't know what you come to do, but I come to praise me. Because you'll never be anything but a common frump whose father lived over a grocery store and whose mother took in washing. What it do, good people? Welcome to Who Shot Ya? I'm your host Ricky Carmona. It's your boy with me in the studio. I have film reviews editor at the Rap. Before tonight, he was known as the Metal Metal of Navidad, but now he is King Chocolate. <laughs> Based on his dessert, he brought in it is Alonzo Duralde. Thank you, sir. I thank appreciate you, it. Your, thank you, Your Highness. <laughs> How are you? What is good with you, Alonzo? Uh, what is good with me is uh, Evelyn Champagne King. Oh, see, <laughs> see what I'm saying? That's we, my guy. We had a random conversation about her on my other podcast, Linoleum Knife. And so then it sent me into this whole, like, Wikipedia, YouTube, Pandora, you know, K-hole of her stuff. And I had completely forgotten about I Don't Know If It's Right. But that was a song that was on the radio all the time when I was a kid. And there's something so great about a song you haven't heard in decades and then you put it on and just, like, refire synapses like oh yes i know this i know this song <laughs> yeah so i'm all about evelyn champagne king this that's week. what's up my man to my left i have the film critic host of the switchblade sisters podcast it is the one and only sometimes it snows in april wolf hello april i what was is hoping good you would you? do the prince intro again <laughs> i was just like how long can he okay yeah let's keep doing this yeah, yeah, i'm no, that, really into this th- that name is eternal for yes you. okay all right <laughs> What is good with you, April? Um, what's good with me is that I was thinking about where I got my start in media, and I was talking to some people who I worked at a college radio station with back in Kalamazoo, 89.1 WIDR, Kalamazoo, your source for radio evolution. <laughs> yes. And that's where I where I did a lot of my stuff and where I know so many people who work in media got their start is college radio. And I went back and I looked at their website and I was just like, tell me that they are still killing it. And they there are still some shows that are they're doing really awesome stuff. And, and I'm so happy that the college is still supporting them because it was so valuable to me. That time of having a microphone and being dumb in front of... Got maybe two people who dozens are listening to my show. Yes. <laughs> All of dozens of listeners. And I, I handfuls yeah. of your friends. Yes. So shout out to uh, 89.1 FM and also to all of the other uh, ex-college radio DJs who are, you know, thinking nostalgic yeah, about indeed. all that. That's what's up. WRVU Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> first on the dial and first in our hearts. <laughs> oh, my God, Ricky. Oh, my God. <laughs> 91 Rock. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, and finally, we also have in the studio, oh, one of your favorites, y'all, producer, film festival programmer, the dope rhyme slayer, Drea Clark is back up in the building. <laughs> I want to say what's up to Tony Williams. Oh, bless, 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 bless. <laughs> Um, Drea, what is good with you? Ricky, I have Olympic fever. Oh, okay. I have fully been like, you know what? Uh, I have the time for it. I have the bandwidth. I'm watching this Winter Olympics. Um, Alonzo seriously rolled his eyes. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he did. I, I did not. I don't think you did. I don't think you knew it. This was just a reflex. I've already come to grips with the fact that I'm much less cool than Alonzo Duralde. So like, or Alfonso Duralde. Look, sports is not a language I speak, but if you are multilingual, more power to you. But what about sports that involves synchronized dancing on ice to 
music. Even, even the sports with uh, the sequins never grabbed me. Oh, no, I love it. But, I've yeah, I've been watching. I've, I haven't been watching everything. Basically, I've kind of TiVo'd the prime time, and then I go to the stuff I like. Mm-hmm. But, like, <laughs> Chloe Kim and her... Korean-born father and his, like, so it's a lot of me weeping in front of NBC, just like, (laughs) ah, the emotions. She really earned it. They gave up so much. Um, Are you living on South Korea hours now just to, like, tune in live? I'm going to be up for a a long time. (laughs) But, um, But I also have enjoyed that the Olympics are even better if you erase, oddly, the nationalism. So it's not like I've been, I'm not really rooting for Americans. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I'm just, I'm falling in love with the athletes, you guys. Oh, like, okay. as people. I miss yes. chewing labels. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's really, it's really brought my Olympic experience, like, up a few notches. Well, fantastic. I'm glad you're here to share all that mm-hmm. with us, yo. That's what's up. Ricky, what's up? Boom! <laughs> <laughs> oh! Yes! Ricky, what's good with you? <laughs> April coming in hot. That's what's up. Yes. That's yes. my gold, too. <laughs> you got the gold. <laughs> oh, what is good with me is I woke up today, I went online, and I saw my man, Q-Tip and Kendrick Lamar released a song today, and it is... Banging! Shit is hot. Q-Tip is like your cool-ass yeah. uncle now. And him showing up at a party and being like, yo, I brought your cool-ass cousin Kendrick. And this track is called Want You To Want. And it is just like, oh. It sounds like it could be on the Last Tribe album. It's just... Mm. Is it on Black Panther? No. Soundtrack? It's, uh, Q-Tip is also what is called a perfectionist. <laughs> to the extreme sense, apparently this song was recorded five years ago. <laughs> Oh, my God. And he has been tinkering it and messing with it since. And my fingers crossed that it will be on his upcoming upcoming solo album. And who knows when that's coming out. He's the Richard Carpenter of hip-hop. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love like, the people Chinese who get democracy. that joke are listening and like, you're friends. You're friends with us. <laughs> the people who get that joke are in this booth. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah, that's no, a possibility. No, hey, I, I, no. give our, I give our listeners all the credit. <laughs> that's true. Well, it's going to be a dope episode today, y'all. We will be discussing 50 shades freed plus we'll be talking sex and film and as always we'll be giving you our staff picks but before we get into all that it is time for our news roundup game called it a dick short for is this important do i care here's how it works i'll read a news blurb a headline alonzo april or drea will jump in with their take by answering these two questions is this important do i care uh here we go you know what Christopher Nolan is the exact movie-taking parent we thought he would be. You think he's taking his kids to see Peter Rabbit? Nope. At a panel at the Santa Barbara International Film Festival, Nolan said he took his kids to see Phantom Thread, that family film, and now they won't stop calling him Woodcock, based on, as in Woodcock, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis's character. Now, according to Nolan, he said, My wife and I made the strange decision to take our kids to go see it. And ever since, every time I do anything vaguely what they would call dictatorial, it's, Oh, Mr. Woodcock, are you a spy? Get out your gun. Do you have a gun? I've been hearing that for weeks. (laughs) Is this important? Do you care? Is Christopher Nolan the dopest movie dad in the world? I love it. Um, uh, yes, I think it's important. I think we should all know what he's taking his family to all the time. We should start a blog. I, the, I, I have an Nolan story that I think maybe kind of fits his mold. I, I was hiking in Runyon Canyon, and as I was going up the hill, he was coming down the hill with an assistant in tow. He's, like, dictating. She's writing stuff down madly. He is wearing, like... 
a blazer and dress slacks and dress shoes. <laughs> and I swear to God, walked all the way down Runyon, dressed for a business meeting, and was not breaking a sweat. <laughs> oh, that's actually pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's so woodcocky, cool. though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. I, li- I just like that like, uh, people are taking their kids to see interesting movies. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, on Monday, director Ava DuVernay and Mayor Eric Garcetti launched Evolve Entertainment Fund. It's a diversity initiative that will fund internships in the entertainment industry for young people in underserved communities. It's also going to provide funding to feature films whose filmmakers don't have enough money to finish post-production. There is a $5 million grant that is completely financed through fundraising. This all sounds like good news. This is important. Do you all care? Dude, we, I mean... I have been calling for this stuff. A lot of people in the industry have been calling for this for forever. I mean, I guess it had to take Ava DuVernay to be like, no, you have to do this, Mayor Garcetti. But we've been calling for this, and he has not listened. Like, not understanding that Hollywood is not separate from Los Angeles. It is a part of the city, and that's what makes us very special. It Mm -hmm. is our industry. So I'm, like, really excited, but also, like, Fuck you. Fuck you for taking so long. I mean, and, and there, have been, there have been some programs along these lines where they work with underprivileged teens and sort of teach them how to get below-the-line jobs on, you know, film sets and stuff. And I think it's great, but I, I like that there's a real concerted effort to make this happen because, yeah, the industry is is huge here. And people think of it as like, oh, you know, movie stars, whatever. But no, like you have to have – all those people building sets and all those people running cables and all those makeup people and all the, you know, there's a lot of labor that goes into getting film and TV made and there should be uh, better ease of access for people who live here to get those jobs. Yeah. Definitely. And that it's also a financing initiative. I mean, we've talked before about how the only way to increase inclusion in storytelling is at the very beginning and financing is the very beginning so if Mm -hmm. they're finding projects that are created by and featuring people with a wider range of stories that's awesome yeah Yeah. that's what's up now how many times y'all have i been saying this valentine's that the top valentine's day gifts are jewelry chocolate king chocolate my man (laughs) and dildos based on the fisherman from shape of water (laughs) How many you, times have I been saying you that? You messaged Non-stop. me like that three yeah. times today. You're like, just in case you forgot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to get a tattoo. <laughs> now, the company Xenocat Artifacts started producing the sex toys back in January based on what they thought the creature's penis would look like. If you're wondering, sorry, guys, they're all sold out. But surprisingly, Doug Jones, he played the fishman, would prefer you forget about these said fish dildos. At a screening of The Shape of Water, he said, after pouring my heart, soul, blood, sweat, and tears into this romantic, beautiful, magical role, the last thing I want to, re- to be remembered for is a silicone appendage that comes in two sizes. Comes in two sizes? And, uh, I, mean, I hope he knows what he just said. <laughs> uh, Mr. Jones, did you hear the words that just came out your mouth? Is this important? Do you all care? Well, you know, I had only been reading the headlines on this one. I hadn't gone so deep. I thought the dildo was shaped like the character. Oh, I didn't no, realize bro. it was they were. Uh, it was a, a guess of what the character's uh, wang looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, fish wang. Shape of yeah. water wang. Yes, sir. I, I, you know, so I guess this is slash fiction. I don't know. <laughs> um, I care only because I'm thrilled that that quote exists <laughs> of Doug Jones talking about a silicone appendage. <laughs> 
I this is it's going to be a weird time in film history. My suggestion on Twitter was that they make sex toys for every single uh, nominated picture. Oh, there we oh, go. Okay, like oh, the okay. Darkest Hour cigar dildo. Yeah. You got there really fast, Alonso. Yeah, you did. Wow. <laughs> Really fast. And they call me by your name, Peach. <laughs> Very yeah, obviously. It's, sort of, it's right there. It's like a little, like, also known as peach. A Peach. A Peach. A peach. <laughs> it's just a Peach. But like, but, like, a less messy. Right, yes. Peach. Maybe a nectarine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. If, if not for Gary Oldman, Japanese makeup artist Kazuhiro Suji would not have received his third Oscar nomination. That's because Kazuhiro had retired from working in film because he found it to be too stressful. In an interview with The Playlist, he said one of the most stressful experiences was working with Jim Carrey on The Grinch That Stole Christmas. Suji says in the makeup trailer, he, Carrey, just suddenly stands up and looks in the mirror, and pointing at his chin. He goes, this color is different from what you did yesterday. I was using the same color I used yesterday. He says, fix it. And okay, you know, I fixed it. Every day was like that. Afterwards, Suji went into therapy and reconsidered his profession. God damn. Is this important? Do you all care? It's weird. I think Jim Carrey also went into therapy and reconsidered his profession after that movie. Yeah, yeah. That movie wasn't good for anybody, no. least of all audiences. <laughs> nice. I remember reading that article in full and... My indie brain imploded when they when the like their description of how it went awry was Jim Carrey was so unhappy that they only got three days of shooting done in two weeks. Yeah, and I was like, gong gong, like yeah. I could have made five movies with whatever budget you wasted over those two weeks. Yeah. Like, I just would have liked if he'd like rolled out of bed and was late and forgot which movie he was working on, and he put the Grinch makeup on Gary Oldman. Like, <laughs> I like that he like. It, later in the article, he was so baller they like begged him to come back on set because he had left, and he was like, mm, "If you help me get my green card." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, you were so smart!" You're like if you're like, you need citizenship to work with like fucking yeah. Jim, Jim Carrey. Carrey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's insane. Like you think of that. <laughs> You'd think he'd want it for a country further away from Jim Carrey. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, none of us are going to need uh, therapy uh, after any of this. I did need therapy after watching Fifty Shades Freed, <laughs> which is what we will be talking about once we come back, y'all. You're listening to Who Shot Ya? Following the news is hard and it sucks. How do you know which stories are important? Which sources do you trust in this post-truth world of reactionary journalism? I'm Brett Black. And I'm Travis McElroy. And we host a podcast called Trends Like These. We cover trending news stories. We debunk misleading clickbait headlines. And we always try to throw in a little bit of good news. In our quest for truth. So join us every week on MaximumFun.org or wherever podcasts are found. Welcome back to Hushaya. I'm your host, Ricky Carmona. Joining me in the studio today are... Gabriel Wolf, Drea Clark. Alonzo Duraldi. If vanilla ice cream table sex is your thing, then have I got 50 shades of boring boning for you. Let's listen to a clip from this week's movie, 50 Shades Freed. Wow. 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 Oh. oh my god. 
What was that really? That was MacGruber. That was MacGruber. (laughs) That was most definitely MacGruber. Because that was Maya Rudolph (laughs) in the cemetery, if I were correct. That is correct, yes. Well, well. (laughs) If we all, uh, three of us, Alonzo, April, and I saw this movie together... And if that movie would have just cut to MacGruber, them having, I would have stood up and give a goddamn standing ovation like, this shit just got real. But that is not what happened, unfortunately. <laughs> we continue to watch uh, the rest of Fifty Shades Freed. I think you can tell by the tone of my voice how I felt about this movie. How did we all feel about this movie? Let's start first. Drea, please give us a synopsis of this film. It's hard to really, because it's such a you know epic story. So it's, yes, it's going to be difficult That's the word to that comes to my mind. Get, get it all there. So it begins with just a really a beautiful honeymoon in um, the south of France, and it's just true love everywhere, and um, you know bikinis wherever they want to be, and it's Anastasia Steele and Christian Grey, mm. and they're in love and they're honeymooning, and then gasp. They find out there's been a disturbance in the force, and um, her former boss from the previous um, episode, <laughs> the, the movie before this, mm-hmm. Fifty Shades Darker, um, has been you know spotted sort of spying around. Basically, they're called back to America, and they're trying to solve some sort of mystery that involves her former boss kind of lurking around, maybe going to kidnap her, maybe then he's sort of sent to prison, maybe then he gets out. And then she's also, you know, a businesswoman. She's not a businessman. She's a businessman. Man, and, thank you. Uh, that's for you, Ricky. Thank and you. so, you know, she's just an amazing editor and she knows her font sizes like <laughs> nobody's <laughs> business. Um, and, you know, they're, you know, adjusting to marital life is a big thing for any couple. And this just really gets to the heart of how does such a sexy, sexy, slightly BDSM couple really just like embrace their love and their slight mysteries and their work and their days and all of their money. Mm. So much, so much money. (laughs) Um, But you know what they do? They do. They They figure it out. They figure it out. Hey, spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) They all die. They all die. die. (laughs) Now, uh, thank you for that. Drea, a follow-up question. As you said, this is an epic there oh, were yeah. there were two films before this. There was Fifty Shades of Grey. Two totally necessary films. Oh yes, yeah. I mean I, I I I hadn't seen them and I felt lost. You know, I was like, oh, how do I keep up with all this? So many unanswered questions. Oh, so, so many. many. I want you guys to know that I've had a few episodes of getting to hear Alonzo just brag about being on the um, Jupiter Ascending cover. Yeah. <laughs> and so my personal goal is to somehow end up on Fifty Shades Freed. <laughs> so just know that going into this, I hope someone out there understands that I appreciate it as the erotic love story that it is. Okay. Delightful. All right. All right. Yes. An erotic love story of the century, you okay, might say. April, don't step on me. <laughs> Damn. Can a girl have a dream? Drea had a dream. <laughs> Drea, of the three, do you have a favorite? Where did this one rank? You can't choose a favorite because they're all so good. No, um, this one's terrible. I mean, like they they do get successively worse. The first one is directed by um, a woman, Taylor, Taylor, John- Taylor uh, Johnson. Um, yep, her. Oh my god, it's killing me. Jo- yeah. Anyway, and and um, there's so, there's more interesting sort of. The performances are worse because they're just kind of 
uh, cardboard people throughout, and mm-hmm. they they started even more so. Um, but you know, she has there's tonal things that are sort of interesting there. Um, but I also think these books were written in about three weeks. Like they're so quick, and so they they crumble very quickly. And the first one probably had the most effort put into it story wise, and so. I think if you're going to watch any of them, don't. But, um, <laughs> the second one has a Chronicles of Riddick poster in it. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to okay. say that. Now Which I'm interested like, again. I'm back. Well, you get the, to see his teenage room. Oh, okay. And the um, third one. a Chronicles one, of Riddick fan? Like, uh, Anastasia Steele, like, after they get married, the, the housekeeper's like, what kind of decor do you want in the house? And I was like, please say Riddick poster. <laughs> <laughs> like, just please call back. You know that we love Riddick posters. Uh, April, what did you think overall of this? I don't feel like we've heard uh, your, your thoughts on this. Are you t- turned on to talk? Is that going to be your quote? <laughs> April that's, Wolf, that's too turned on to talk. <laughs> I was too turned. Go away. Too turned on to talk. Um, it's hilarious. <laughs> there, I mean, honestly, I laughed for like, I've been laughing since I saw it about the, the changing the type size of a book by, by two points. Because I'm like, girl, I have worked in publishing. You don't just do that. That increases the price of the book like tenfold. Like, are you insane? Why would you just throw that out there? Also, it's not an editor thing either. Wouldn't it be the public? What I... It'd be a designer, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's the designer and publisher going, and like the editor yeah. has some input, but like the publisher sets the... Never mind. Yeah. Okay, so... We're getting into weeds. Save that, save that for the font podcast. No, no, no. Yeah, Fontcast. The fontcast. Fontcast. Thank you. Font too. <laughs> yeah, it's Wow. Wow. I wow. This <laughs> These movies are um exceptional. Uh I don't I like it's so funny. I it, and I it sometimes feel like they're leaning into it. They're just like fuck it. This is dumb. <laughs> you know, like the dream sequence that she has is like hilarious because we even see we see her it's so voyeuristic because we we're not even in her head seeing what her dream is, like what she's seeing. We're like watching her from afar as some dude's trying to strangle her and you're like that's crazy. Like why <laughs> why would you put Who us Who dreams like that? Yeah, why, why would you watch yourself getting st- like oh, that's crazy. Um and the, yeah, it's so bad. The sex is so much licking nipples. One of my favorite articles that was written about this movie is from Rachel Handler that is um, on Vulture. And she talked to a gynecologist about Yeah, I read that. Because <laughs> in, in the theater, I don't know if you heard me whisper this very loudly, but like... As soon as like the ice cream came out, I went yeast infection. <laughs> <laughs> the gynecologist was very like food stays out of the vagina, lady. And I was just like, okay, like first off, these are definitely the people who would buy just dumb vanilla ice cream. They're like of all the flavors in the world that they could own, you know. They're just like I'm a vanilla. Like this, so why? So maybe it was like a like a buttered rum we don't know Ooh, okay. which is worse for your vagina that's, and I, yeah. kept, I kept thinking about that getting distracted and I was just like oh don't go anywhere near her crotch with that yeah. I, I'll say this like as porn these are terrible because the so sex bad. the sex is badly oh, bad. filmed yep. and, and it pathologizes BDSM and this whole series has been this lengthy thing of like turning him into a, as vanilla a cookie monster as possible to, to fix him you know which is somehow I guess a lady fantasy for certain ladies, mm. but the luxury porn, on the other hand, is 
was pretty oh spot God. on. There's a lot of real estate in this movie. There's some nice cars. You know, the, the, twelve the, the, the fridge that ice cream came out of was <laughs> on point. You know, there's a, there's a chair Gorgeous. in that place that they have that I have not stopped thinking about. Like I walk into my apartment, I'm like, that chair would look so dope right there, Ricky, right there. I will say the BDSM part of it has annoyed me since I read them. I hate that I'm like, oh, yeah, I hate all this stuff. I've seen all of them and read them all. I read them in a weekend because my sister had them just like to justify my own. And I was like, I'd like to be able to argue with people about this. So I'm going to. Yeah, it was a pop culture happening. Yeah, Yeah, why not? The most frustrating thing, I'm not the first person to say this, but it it was this thing that I was like, oh, this could be interesting to like introduce the idea of um, responsible kink to a mainstream audience to be like, yes, this is a consensual adult thing. Many people have different peccadilloes, and this is this sexy way this couple handles it. And they started carrying butt plugs at Target. (laughs) Oh my God, right? (laughs) They were right. I wish. um, (laughs) No, I'm not kidding. No, shut up. There was a Fifty Shades line at Target of were they, like... Were they fish butt plugs? Uh, no. <laughs> no, just... Okay. But, um... They were petite. Yeah, but instead, I can't handle anything that you're saying right now, so I'm going to keep... <laughs> I'm going to keep... Beg your pardon. Didn't mean to derail. No, Go on. It's all I'm going to think of later, and my Google's going to just look weird, but... But that in all of these, rather than be like, yes, this is a consensual, happy way to have sex in this different way... Um, instead, it's it's completely narratively built around that he just has a psychological problem, yes. mm-hmm. and that this is just a reaction to some terrible trauma of his childhood, and then that's just so offensive. It's as offensive as people who are allegedly in a dom sub relationship who only have missionary sex, <laughs> like right? even with they get handcuffs, and I'm like, ooh. Oh, right. So much right face on to the, face. In right this on movie. the back. There you go. <laughs> you go to it. So I'm watching this like, I don't know who this movie is for. My, is, sister. Uh, my, my My mind goes to the stereotypical white woman who lives in the suburbs, Starbucks, you know, goes, you know, is going to have a crazy night when, you know, the family, she doesn't have to take care of the family or, or what have you. Like, I'm well, watching that, it lost, it, like, going, I don't is. know what I mean, the fuck is going on You just described my family, but, yeah. like, <laughs> high five to I my sister Clarks, Bevan, like, enjoy this in Westchester. But it part of it is there's not a lot of female, there's not a lot of female-oriented erotica r- anyway that's not literature. <laughs> but um, in a movie, the kind of film that would be accessible, like something that you would think of as sexy, is not something that your average like group of moms or whatever can go see together or can talk about casually. And this film, one of the things that this series, for good or for bad, unlocked was the way to kind of mainstream something that normally would be sort of embarrassing to embrace on such a broad level, yeah. I would say. I mean, don't you think it's interesting that like the... Um, uh, the embrace of uh, romance novels has happened in the past, you know, six, seven years. Now those are becoming like less shameful. And you see a lot of people who are really interested in reading those. Wasn't I think even like Paul Shear started doing like, an experiment where he was like reading romance novels and like just trying them out and seeing what was happening. Huh. And I think that like, like Drea says, for better or for worse, I do think these movies had an effect on what was acceptable in mainstream discourse. And they're also, I gotta say, just the first one, I think only the first one was actually made, quote unquote, for women. I don't, okay. I don't think that the, the second two being directed by dudes 
James Foley. James Foley. I couldn't believe they how they get. I couldn't uh, believe that either. <laughs> James, Jills, James Foley but, directed yeah. Glengarry Glenn Ross. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At close range. Just, maybe they did Who's like, that girl? Thank you. Oh, <laughs> gave him a, yeah, I don't think I knew that. Like a wheelbarrow cash. I it's just it's um I I think that it's a very different lens through which that you're 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 viewing these things. I mean, I love the the pommel horse from last time. I was just like, <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, you thank did. you. But you know, mo- so much of these the scenes are just like him licking her tits. It's always if him licking her tits. For women, there would have been a lot more attention paid to Taylor the bodyguard. Or maybe I'm just showing. <laughs> oh no, he was he was hot. I mean, so much of Hollywood output is geared towards like teen boy power fantasies, like superhero movies, and you know Liam Neeson movies. Like there, these are like male, you know, conquest, domination, s- strength, power fantasies, and I think there should be. At least an equal amount of like female-driven fantasy for female audiences, and I wish there were better ones than these shitty movies. But these got made because the books were so massively popular that they had to be made. But you know, as always, you make a you make a series that that a, a, appeals to women, whether it's Sex and the City or Twilight or whatever, and it makes a shit ton of money, and it's a fluke. It's yeah. always a fluke, and they never want to yeah. do more of them. And it's like, please make ten other. movies movies that are along these lines and at least maybe two of them will be good mm-hmm. and actually sexy and actually you know empowering and will maybe you know encourage you know heterosexual couples to fuck better you know <laughs> they need help those poor people oh, I, will I will totally oh, read 50 shades for fuck better fuck better, <laughs> no, the, um, better the twilight of it all is actually a good point because you could make a lot of the same mockery of that series both of the books and the movies and the girls that love the that to a fanatic degree. Well, you, you growed know the, up. You know yeah, the, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because yeah. they were fan fiction, like, right. and so those girls eventually are like they, they slightly older, into 40 shades. and yeah. they're 50 like, shades, yeah. yes, Fifty Shade, man. Did I love Twilight? And now my, do I love this? My hope is that Dakota Johnson is going to be another Kristen Stewart, who like nobody took seriously as an actress until she got that series off her back, yeah. and now is kicking ass, you know, in French and everywhere else. It's always you know. on her front, though. Well, you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, she is, I mean, <laughs> she is like one of the most exciting actresses working right now, and Dakota Johnson has always been way more appealing than these movies have been. And so now that she's she is freed, you know, like I, 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 I'm dying to see what else she's she gets to do because I think she's terrific. Yeah, I've never. I'm sorry. I was just saying I've never seen her in anything before, and she was the redeeming thing in this movie. I actually like Jamie Dornan. I've I enjoyed him in the fall yeah, uh, yeah. show on Netflix, but on this, I didn't know if he's miscast or didn't give a shit. I was he like, miserable. bro, yeah, he, he, he was does like, not look happy. He's like. To keep this muscle definition, I haven't had bread in so long. Like <laughs> he is hangry. I he am coiled like, up every day, yeah. and he was like, "Oh and they god!" Had the, I will say they mastered that crotch shot where it was like at pube line for him. Oh, always. Was, like there was never any dangle. Like you never well, got like in the first Fifty Shades. Like the pants go just low enough so you get like a little tube happening. But the but the, after that with 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 a man in the director's chair, you get cum gutters. And that's yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so it's so weird. Where I was just like, I came here for dick. I think yeah. I think I did, I think, and I didn't get any. Well, that, that's that's, that's on the box, girl. But that's that's the issue, though. Dick. That's what the that's that's the studios and the MPAA. Like, you still can't have dick in American movies. It's yeah. insane. Yeah, 
It's 2018, and, and like we're still having that conversation. Yeah. Like the, the, I remember, people got all excited, or well, not excited, but the big I, woo in Pulp Fiction was like, "Oh, you see Bruce Bruce Willis's dick for a second. Or shame, or, or uh, Kevin Bacon. Oh, that's right, and shame as well. Yeah, Kevin Bacon and Wild Things. Oh, you see his dick. Like, yeah. oh my god, Richard Gere and American that's Gigolo. A, I, you know? I love Wild Things because you get to see <laughs> Kevin Bacon's dick. Yeah. <laughs> the first five to seven years of Ewan McGregor's screen career. You know, but, the yeah. pillow uh, book. Oh, the pillow book. Oh. Uh, so we'll go around Fifty Shades, y'all. Should we screen it, stream it, or skip it? I say skip this motherfucker two times. April? I'm I'm a glutton for this shit. I actually think you should stream it. I, I think that you should definitely stream it with a glass of wine and a girlfriend just to make fun of this shit. <laughs> I loved walking out of the theater, and I had like this look of shock on my face. And I looked over at April, and she had the hugest smile. She was like, yeah! <laughs> this is so bad! Yeah, you loved it. You loved it. That was great. <laughs> Drea? Um, I think you should screen it. I think you should go to the movie theater with your parents. I think you, I think you should sit between them and just make a night of it. <laughs> That's my... Just do it. Yeah. All the way. Yes. <laughs> I love the relationship you have with your family. It's really moving. Alonzo. <laughs> I'm going to say stream it because there were enough quality laughs. <laughs> I mean, when Christian sits at the piano, like that really. Oh, shit, he's That's the best joke in the movie. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, wait, okay. Yeah. I died, yeah. That. <laughs> I, I thought it was hysterically funny. And again, the luxury porn, like, you know, houses in Aspen and, you know, uh, uh, reclamation projects and whatnot. So, you know, watches, cars, <laughs> the Riviera, yachts, yeah, for that. But it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we are, that is a hot and steamy discussion. Oh. <laughs> About 50 Shades, y'all. We are going to take a break. When we come back, we will be talking about sex in cinema. I'm excited to talk and hear all about this. We'll be right back, y'all. How's it going, everyone? I'm Oliver Wang. And I'm Morgan Rhodes. We have a brand new show on the Maximum Fun Network that we'd love to share with you. It's called Heat Rocks. Morgan, we should probably explain what a heat rock is. It is a banger, a fire track, true fire. Right. Dope album. Each episode, we will bring on a special guest to join us to talk about one of their heat rocks. It might be a musician. A writer. Maybe a scholar. I mean, I would have been happy to just talk to you about your heat rocks, but this is a different show. Yeah. I think people might enjoy hearing maybe the guests instead. To do that, you'll have to go to MaximumFun.org. So if you want to talk about hot music, you should check us out. Heat Rocks. Welcome back to Who Shot You? I'm your host, Ricky Carmona. With me in the studio, I have Alonzo Duraldi. Andrea Diane Clark Esquire. <laughs> uh, a- April Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot my own name for a second. <laughs> During the break, we have left the vanilla suburbs of Fifty Shades. We got in our sexy-ass whips, and we took a trip to our own erotic city movie-plex, that triple movie-plex. The lights are purple. Everyone's popcorn got hot butter soul on it. And now we're going to talk about sex in film. So to kick this off, anybody, please tell us about a movie you thought was super hot and why it grabbed you. Y tu mamá también. God yeah. damn it, Ooh. April, that's hard She had to pick. jump in because that was on everybody's list. It is, yeah. yeah. It's, it. it's got to be. It's so good. Oh, God. 
And I'm, like, and I say that I think we're grown women that aren't the kind that are like, ooh, younger boys. Oh, men. Gross. You know what I meant. <laughs> yes. But that movie is sexy not because like, oh, teenagers, but it's built in. It's, it's about like a lust for life. And that that's the I mean, I, I love the the idea that there's uh, no abandon that, you know, with abandon, they're they're loving each other and they're just kind of enjoying their bodies and, and the physicality of being on Earth. And, and that's just like I I'm a sucker for like almost like end of the world kind of things, you know, huh. where just, you know, like this is it. I don't want to spoil anything for people who haven't seen that movie, but just go see that movie yeah. and then like get ready to be uncomfortable if you watch it with people maybe <laughs> I still think that you should bring your parents and have <laughs> sit on either side of you I literally was thinking I was just like Dre's watched it with their parents for I'm sure. sure the Clarks do everything together um, uh, but the for me I would say and this is one that I think if I look back on now I'm like huh I might find that storyline problematic but The Lover um, with Jane oh, March yeah. and Tony Leung like my young crush on Tony Leung, which continues to this day, cause, or I'm totally butchering his name, but such a beautiful man. And it, of course, is this movie about, like, an older man and, like, a teenage girl, like, a beautiful teenage... But when I was in college, one of my, like, roommates freshman year, like, on our floor had a VHS of it, and I'm not exaggerating, I sat in a room with, like, ten other girls. We watched The Lover for... Every day for, like, an entire semester. Like, we loved it. But you were mentioning earlier that great erotica has both, like, a sexuality, but also the sen- sensuality. Mm. Is it, can I say that in a douchier way? Yeah. But um, there's Sensuality. Sen- <laughs> Thank you. That's exactly what I wanted. That was perfect. Um, I can always make it douchier. Uh, you can. You're so, so, you're so good at that. It's my mutant power. <laughs> but there's this amazing scene in The Lover when they're getting to know each other and they're in the back of a limo or something and it is this long scene and it's just the two of them kind of inching their hands towards each other on the car seat and it is so charged and they're so it's like pulsating with like chemistry and sexiness and so then you know they finally do get some great banging in but (laughs) it's been built up in this beautiful way and you know I think a lot of people have had like the tension part the like oh Mm. we're almost holding hands and like oh it's good well yeah that's why I love In the Mood for Love because that movie is almost all tension but such delicious beautiful (laughs) hot sexy 60s cigarette chunks on dress tension it's Amazing. Uh, but then there's also something to be said for movies that actually kind of go the distance. Um, I'm a fan of a film uh, that Travis Matthews made called I Want Your Love. Uh, Matthews is probably best known as the co-director of Interior Leather Bar, that, uh, oh, that yeah. mo- the movie about cruising that James Franco yeah, did. Yeah. Um, but I Want Your Love is – it kind of takes the idea behind uh, John Cameron Mitchell's short bus and I think sort of moves it ahead a little more in terms of it's a straight-up drama. It's about a guy who lives in San Francisco and is considering moving and sort of the – you know regrets that he has and things that haven't worked out whatever and his circle of friends and there's like actual hardcore fucking in it you know but it comes out of this organic place and it involves characters that we've gotten to know as characters and I think that's that's a line that the movies really haven't figured out how to cross yet I mean there are 
you know, people talk about how a, a, a musical number can give you pages and pages of dialogue and character and explain what people want and, and, and all that kind of thing. And I think a, a really good sex scene can do the same thing. It can really portray how to do how do people feel about each other and where are they in their relationship and and how do they treat each other and what do they want and, you know... Um, there was a, a great Mexican film I saw a couple years ago that never got a U.S. release called The Pleasure is Mine uh, that is almost entirely told by a man and a woman having sex over the course of a two years of a relationship, kind of its highs and lows. And they convey so much in how they look at each other or don't look at each other and how mm-hmm. they touch each other or don't touch each other and when they're tender and when they're, when they're you know, uh, violent or whatever. Um, but, yeah, uh, I Want Your Love, I think, is a, uh, certainly for gay films, I think one of the rare films that, that, that uses explicit sex in a way to embellish character and drama. Uh, I watched three movies in the last 24 hours, three erotic films oh in the last 24 Ooh. hours I watched Itu Mama Tambien boy are his arms tired <laughs> <laughs> just one of them is uh, <laughs> I watched uh, Itu Mama Tambien I watched uh, The Dreamers mm. and I watched uh, Sex and Lucia oh mm-hmm. good one mm-hmm. that was great yeah I like that a lot and all of them maybe Sex and Lucia a little bit was maybe a little bit more stylized but in F- Fifty Shades Freed there's like oh we're gonna see her titties now Oh, the camera's pounding to, like, his waist, and, oh, we might see old boy's dick. And in Y Tu Mama También, when Diego Luna, uh, I'm sorry, when Diego Luna finally has uh, sex with a, with, with a woman, the camera, like, is way in the back. She just, like, takes her clothes off. Like, to me, that's fucking erotic, because it's like, yeah, that's how it happens. You're in a room... The lighting doesn't automatically change and the shit slows down. No, it's it's like fucking raw and it's like real, you know. Yeah. Uh, same thing in uh, in the dreamers. I mean, th- there's always that moment of like, oh shit, this is gonna happen, and I just was really uh really really into that I love that like we're talking about Mexican films because I think that Mexican films are doing erotica stuff real great even last year's The Untamed which is like monster on human sex it is I don't know this movie it is so good and it's um it's about this um like a sex beast like it's got like these kind of like tentacle things and it's like in this weird cabin in the countryside of mexico this isn't a dream you had no it's it's amazing and it's it's related to the chupacabra (laughs) well you got a half right uh... (laughs) (laughs) it's a it's maybe like an like an alien kind of thing and the people who are caretakers for it have to find someone who can try to keep up with it sexually because it needs to be sexually satisfied constantly and so if it if um but it's so intense that it might kill you but these people get addicted to it um and so they keep visiting it and they want to be with it all the time because they're just in like ecstasy and and it's it's amazing there's one scene where like because the whole thing is about like sex and erotica stuff and there's one scene where like as the monster is kind of having sex and uh, these people are like writhing and and like ecstasy that all of these forest creatures are just fucking like it's all CGI. It's like you can't tell it's CGI, but it's just like all of these different like in a in a weird spot where the alien landed. There's just like all these forest creatures just fucking like you guys, I thousands swear she of them. This. <laughs> so, so you so worked good. on Babe. I have an assignment for you. <laughs> 
That's amazing. It's so good. It's called The Untamed, but it's, you know, it's the whole thing is sex. And uh, I, wow. I got to say, wow. Mexican Mexican films are doing a, a great job uh, with I, that I, kind of I stuff I do have right to now. represent the sex in Lucia is Spanish. Oh, that's Spanish? Yes. 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 How, yes. Dare, yes. how dare you? But, <laughs> sex and Lucia, I was... I. That one was just like, I remember seeing the cover at Blockbuster. Uh-huh. Let's go with that, Ricky. And uh, fantastic. It just, it, 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 there's a lot of sex in the movie, but also just the story is mm-hmm. really great as uh, as well. Uh, I didn't realize that the, the actress who's in it, I was like, uh, the, the woman who plays the babysitter of, uh, of the daughter, I was like, who is she? I, she's amazing and she's beautiful. She was the evil doctor in Wonder Woman. The woman with the oh, uh, yes. with the hat, right, right, right. Doctor Poison, yes. Yeah. Oh, I didn't ever tie that together. Uh, yeah. Fantastic, and yeah, I just I, I was just blown away by like there's something about when the sex is just so kind of like straightforward that this is what's going to happen. In the movie, so, so many American movies. It, it, you're right. Like it is the whole thing. Like the lighting change. It's like the oh, ooh, we're about to see something. Yeah, yeah, ooh, yeah, it's yeah, so it's, naughty, it's, you know. And then so. it never is because they can't, you know, because go they can't certain go there. places. Yeah, you know, like nine and a half weeks. There's so much heavy breathing in that movie, <laughs> and so little like actual sex most of the time. It's kind of ridiculous. Although I will say, for the '80s, like the two of them banging it out in a clock tower while Brian Ferry's slave to love plays, it's like okay. You know, I'm not made of stone. Okay, yeah. is, is Adrian Lyne is he is he an American director? Because he's I, British. He, I, I gave him a pass when I was thinking about nine and a half weeks today because I was like, nah, I feel like that actually kind of tried to go it, there. It, yeah, in its it has time. its moments, and so does uh, Unfaithful. I loved Unfaithful. Diane Lane, though. Holy crap, Olivier, Olivier Martinez in that. Is <laughs> chow, chow, that's, chow. Like, that's America right there. Woo! You say Olivier Martinez and I go Diane Lane. That's what's up. Yeah, there. Um, oh, just to, the one other that I would hate to not say is The Handmaiden. Because oh, I, hell yeah. that movie was so hot and so interesting. Like, each different hookup had a different vibe to it. And, like, what they were conveying in, like, their level of experience and all that. But there is also an amazing sexually charged scene that is a woman in front of this, like, crowd of men reading Mm. something. And I'm like, oh, shit. (laughs) 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 Woo-hoo! Just get warm in And you're watching all these... It's... I was like, oh, that's how you do it, right there. <laughs> yeah, that is the hottest shit, that movie. Yeah. <laughs> we asked uh, our listeners on Twitter uh, for what they thought uh, their best, their favorite or best sex scenes. Uh, if anybody, feel free to, to, to jump in and read one of them. To read them. Uh, I'll just pick one right off. Uh, at SJH underscore Canada, Eraserhead. I've never seen Eraserhead. Uh, but that's... already, I'm like, God damn. That wow, move, that's Canada. Birth Control the movie. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, uh, uh, I'm going to go. Jimmy Bear London says the first encounter between Johnny and Georgia in, uh, in God's Own Country. That movie is super hot. Uh, it, came out, it was a gay film from last year. Did not get the Call Me By Your Name uh, attention, but a lovely story about, uh, uh, you know, 
farm laborers. One of them, like, is his parents run a sheep farm. The other one is a Romanian uh, uh, laborer that they've, you know, brought in to help out for, like, shearing season or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, yeah, it's pretty hot. It, it is hot in, uh, and under, the, like, the, the least sexy circumstances. Like, it's freezing cold. They're surrounded by sheep. You know, like, they're, they're like, camping out in the middle of some shed somewhere. They have and, nothing like, but each other. Basically, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty great. Uh, they also said at the end, I, I have a question there. They, they said any sex scene in the Big Easy. Is the Big Easy with Ellen Barkin? Yeah, and, and Dennis Quaid. Mm. Uh, can I just say shout out to 80s Ellen Barkin? Oh, Sea Made, of Love. Oh, bruh, Sea of Love. What was the other one with Lawrence Fishburne? Bad Company? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on now. <laughs> shout <laughs> out shout to out Ellen. Shout out to current day Ellen Barkin. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. We should be so yeah, lucky. Yeah, thank you. If we can get her on the show, please. <laughs> <laughs> her, her Twitter is on fire. Yeah. I would recommend it. She could she could probably replace us on the any mm. of us on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, I'll read one more. Ali K. Hard said, "I'm going down the aisle to glass vase cello case from the scene in, but I'm a cheerleader." Word, <laughs> word. She's not wrong. <laughs> oh, and she uh, also- she points out the sex scene in Bound, which. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That was, yeah. They, yes. the, 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 the Wachowskis brought in uh, Susie Bright as their, like, lesbian sex consultant really? on that one. Yes. Uh, and, and you know, I think, as I've heard some lesbians say, okay, except for the nails. Everything, That's true. Everything else I buy. <laughs> there's uh, another movie coming out, um, Desiree uh, uh, Akhavan, doing um, The Miseducation of Cameron Post, which is, like... But I'm a cheerleader, you know, new for new times mm. in, in some ways, like a like a much more but somber version. RuPaul. Yeah, a much more somber version. But it's it's also got some some uh, some nicely done um, lesbian sex scenes. All right. Well, now it's time for staff picks, y'all. Every week we ask the panel to tell us about a movie we think folks should check out any movie at all. Uh, I'm going to start with Drea. In uh, light of my exciting Olympics fever, I'm going to recommend The Crash Reel by Lucy Walker. It's a documentary from 2011, 12-ish, and it follows a snowboarder named Kevin Pierce who sustains like crazy traumatic brain injury because it's not just for football players anymore. (laughs) And um, it will also make you excited to see Sean White as a villain because when I watched him win the gold the other day, I saw that. I was like, oh, that guy's a dick. (laughs) (laughs) And so if you want to add just a whole other layer of knowledge to your Olympic viewing or see some more of that as a sport that maybe you don't know about, it's really well done and it also gets into his family a lot, his recovery. Um, Yeah, I think it's a great little view. Excellent. That's what's up. Alonzo. Well, I, I actually am going to keep the sexy sex times rolling. Uh, Francois Ozon, a French director who I like a lot, although sometimes I run hot and cold with him. But I really like his new movie, uh, Double Lover, which opened perversely on Valentine's Day. Uh, it's about a woman who uh, falls in love with her psychiatrist and then uh, comes to realize that he might have a twin brother. And it gets darker and weirder from there. And it's not exactly like Dead Ringers, but if you like Dead Ringers, I think you'll like this movie, too. Oh, I really like that. Yeah, it's, it is. It's kind of fucked up uh, but in a really cool way and um yeah it has one of the it has it 
It opens with a close-up of a cervical exam, and and that is not the nuttiest thing that happens in this movie. So. Just, like, just like the Kingsman too, <laughs> a similar similar so, show. So uh, no, it's it's pretty great. Uh, uh, Maureen Vacht, who was in Ozon's Young and Beautiful, plays the woman, and the uh, therapist is played by Jeremy Renier, uh, who's one of my favorite Belgian actors. He's been like in a bunch of Dardenne Brothers movies and stuff. Anyway, it's like unpredictable and bizarre and you know occasionally like just violent and disturbing and amazing and I really think you should see it and definitely see it before anybody like ruins it for you excellent thank you sir April okay the one I'm going to recommend you will either love it or hate it there is nothing in between (laughs) nothing I swear to god it's Sally Potter's The Party and Sally Potter is a very divisive director who uh famously um, made a movie called Gold Diggers uh, back in the 80s that Janet Maslin, writing for the New York Times, called Torture. <laughs> but it's She also... is not on the DVD box. <laughs> no, but it's also one of my favorite movies because it is like so weird and it's like an anti-musical blah blah blah. But The Party is like a slim 75 minutes and it's written to be as a play and it's in a tight space and you've got um, it's like six or seven different characters and you know each one has their own shit going on and everything kind of blows up very quickly. Is it is it out now? Is it It's coming out on Friday. Oh wow. So okay. When when we when we go to Ooh. to air. And it's black and white and um I really like the cinematography too. You know, it's nice what they can do in a confined space. I like when people are get creative. And yeah, she she's not a subtle filmmaker. And this is one of those things that I love which if y'all have listened, you know I love Mother. Not a subtle movie either. Uh, you know, I, I love really unsettled directors who kind of hit you over the head with things. And this one is like that, and it's funny, and it's weird, and um, uh, Patricia Clarkson is yes. amazing, and um, uh, Kristen... Uh, Scott Thomas. Kristen... I can't talk. Kristen Scott Thomas. Snake Plissken. Uh, Snake Plissken is in it. <laughs> what? Um, and he's wonderful, too. He escapes the party. Uh, no, uh, it's... it's is Kurt Russell in this movie? No. no God damn it. No, no, sorry. But sorry. It, again, I, I love short movies. It's 75 minutes, y'all. Okay. 75 minutes. <laughs> and it, it's true. You love or hate it because April loved it. And I hated it. <laughs> ah, <yes>. Nice. <laughs> I'm going to cheat and recommend all three movies that I watched in the past 24 hours because I loved Ituma Tamien from the first time I saw it in the theater and then rewatching it again last night. I hung out with a buddy earlier and he hasn't seen it yet and I'm going to dig through my boxes to let him borrow my copy. Uh, the Dreamers, I had no idea what that movie was going to oh, be wow. about. And, I mean, this is a podcast about movies. I love movies. It's a movie about movies. Uh... And I didn't know Eva Green was in it. Uh, I felt really fucking fancy when Bernardo Bertolucci's name showed up on the screen. I was like, look at you, Ricky. From, look at you from Albany Park. Why to today knocking out some Bernardo Bertolucci, bro? And then uh, Sex and Lucia, which was just a great story. I really liked uh, the story that, uh, that it told. It's a mystery, so I'm not going to tell you what it's about. Uh, but it is a woman who is in a relationship, the relationship goes sour, we start to find out uh, the reasons why. And it's, I really enjoyed just how it was shot as well. It kind of has like this really grainy digital look to it. Like digital meaning like when they were like first like using like, yes, yes, very much so like when uh, uh, I'm going to my man, Michael Mann here, a collateral, 
uh, when you, if you saw that in the theater, was just kind of like grainy and it's like not film, but it kind of is film. The whole movie has this look to it, and sometimes it's just like overexposed, but everything just seems very intentional, uh, regardless. Uh, so, Sex and Lucy as well. Uh, that's on Netflix. The Dreamers is on HBO. Spend money to watch uh, Itu Mama también, please. Uh, word. Uh, next. Mem- memo to Hollywood. Boners. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we didn't even talk about the pool scene in uh, Itu Mama también. Oh. <laughs> or the photograph scene from Dreamers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Oh, it is dope. Uh, next week, we are taking a trip to Wakanda, and we are going to be watching and talking about Black Panther with special guest Winter Mitchell will be in the building. Hey, if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You leave a five-star review, you will get a shout-out on the show. This week, we got... Cat Cheese. Cat Cheese says, I love this podcast. The hosts have such great chemistry together, and they've given me so many great idea movie so many great ideas for movie Friday. Even convinced me to give Cloud Atlas that three hour shot. Holy shit. Damn, see that? We Make are good. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> well, I didn't know what we're doing is the Lord's work here, <laughs> and I feel like that just happened. Oh, uh, shout out to Chrissy Chris Chris. I was so excited to see that Ricky Carmona. Oh, that's me. Fired this back up after Wham Bam Pow went on hiatus. April and Alonzo are welcome additions to the show, aren't they, though? And I am happy to listen even if I haven't seen the movie. Oh, now this next one isn't a review, but we're going to give a shout-out to our girl Miranda, who wrote on the Facebook page, Hey, y'all, I freaking love this podcast. Ricky, Alonzo, and April are the shit. This week, when they were talking about Haunted House movies, I was yelling in my car, The Haunting! The Haunting! And then my man. Alonzo brought it up. I was so happy. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and also a big shout out to Mike Borg, who worked at the Winchester House for 18 years. He had some very interesting info about the house and the movie that he posted on the Facebook group page. Some scary shit on there. And by the way, check out our Facebook group. Why can I not say Facebook Group, yo, you got it. You Kristen got it. Scott Thomas, <laughs> Snake Pliskin. If you have those, are yet. all my safe words. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook group. <laughs> if you haven't yet subscribed to it, please do it already. It is great. It is www.facebook.com/slash/group/slash/who-shot-ya-podcast. If you have a comment or suggestion about this week's show, tweet us at who-shot-ya-pod or send us an email at who-shot-ya at maximumfun.org. Drea, thank you for being here. Thanks, you guys. Always a pleasure, y'all. Always a pleasure. Alonzo, April, you know y'all the dopest. (laughs) Thank you, sir. Our senior producer is Laura Swisher. Shout out to our producer, Casey O'Brien, in the building. This has been a production of MaximumFun.org, and that's what's up. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.